and welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. And y'all, it is happening. It is happening. There's evidence of it happening right now. And what's happening is uh, I got my first troll. Got my first effective troll. Great news. Fantastic news, guys. Um, yeah, it's just... I look through the comment. I look through comments. I, quick moment of clarity. I refer to comments a lot on this podcast and responding to comments. The comments I'm referring to are on TikTok, which is an app that you may or may not be familiar with. It's the most popular app in the world right now in terms of trending. It's grown faster than any other social media platform. On that app, I have made content that people have liked in terms of uh, views and um, engagement. So there's been a few videos that have breached 1 million views. I think one of them might be above 2 million views. Um, and then I have many, many videos on there that have gone into the tens of thousands and the hundreds of thousands of views. Um, and I got a bunch of followers. Now, I, like, I've labeled the videos that I'm responding to TikTok comments, but some people still didn't understand that, first, first off. And second off, any comment that I'm talking about on this podcast was made public by the person who wrote it. I'm not sharing any direct messages or any, no one's confiding in me directly and, um, and I'm putting them on blast. I'm only sharing comments that people have chosen to publish on my public platform. That needed to be made clear. So I got my first troll and, uh, it went something like this. So I, I guess I'm talking about them. So in a way they're winning a little bit, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Not yet. At least, um, if anything, um, it's a small sign of validation. No need to, you know, no, no need to celebrate. Um, but it's just evidence uh, of downward pressure. And as we all know, downward pressure is necessary for the rise. You need to root. A tree needs to root before it rises. There's downward pressure required for airplanes to lift off. Same with rocket ships. So it's a little bit of downward pressure, which, um, which comes, which is paired with a rise or a a validation in this case. And so, so the videos that I've made, that I've made, uh, that I've made popular on TikTok is a series that people have, have liked. It's called things I wish I knew before I was 30. And the idea of the videos, if it's not self-explanatory is I'm talking to myself, a past self that doesn't exist. Uh, teaching me things that I wish I had known before, uh, you know, sooner than rather than later. And the idea came because 
One, I realized that if you want to make uh, consumable content, you have to put the viewer first. Um, so I'm always trying to do that, even though I'm sharing personal stories um, and and personal lessons, um, and it seems all about me, me, me. It is with it's what's in mind is sharing something that's relatable enough for the viewer to either uh, know that they're not alone or to see thing, something from a different perspective. Because even though it's about you, it's about the viewer, I can't tell you what to do. And I and there's no teaching you. It's all about uh, what you're able to extract from the the stories that I share. And all I have is the stories, my own personal stories. So those have been the most popular videos. I've made 20. I just filmed uh, part 21 today. Of course, they're all a minute long because that's the content, that's the format of TikTok. But I'll go outside. I have a morning walk every day and on my morning walk, um, some days I'll just consider a, a valuable piece of wisdom that I've learned up to this point. Um, and then I'll talk about it for maybe five, 10 minutes. And then I'll take that footage cut it down and condense it into a one minute digestible clip. And a few of them have taken off and people seem to like the series. But with that popularity from the series, people have looked at my other videos. And some of my other videos um, were uh, movement based, dance based, uh, my thoughts on meditation, sexuality, little exercises that I do both mentally and physically. And this territory is a little more choppy. Now, people don't know my background um, in fitness, in health. Like, so I've I've been training myself for twenty years through weight training, and and if, that's not counting sports. Growing up, I've been playing sports, which includes some calisthenics, which would have included running and coordination and all those things. Since I was five, maybe even before, I have an early memory of my grandfather showing me how to. He was from uh, Europe, um, so soccer, uh, and I remember him showing me how to pull a soccer ball back and pop it up to create lift on the ball. It's like one of my first memories with my grandfather, um, and that might have been three years old, but I didn't train anyway. I've been training with weights for about twenty years now. Um, yoga, dance, sports. I started getting serious into um, sharing this knowledge. Let's see. Well, I helped start a little movement club in Iowa, but post college, um, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know, the early 20s. And as a millennial and as a privileged person, I'm like, I want to, you know, I don't want to just be working at something I, I don't want to do. I want to, I want to love what I do. That seems to be the, the key to happiness is do something you love and let the money and let the money follow that. And being in a fortunate position, having little, little debt, um, that I was able to pay off quite early. Um, so I gave me some freedom and I'm like, well, the only thing that's consistent in my life is training physical training. I'm working out every day. I'm doing yoga four times a week. I'm running, playing basketball. So why don't I just pursue this? 
So I did. So I started be educating myself from good teachers, some great teachers, some bad teachers, going all over the place, paying paying money, paying a tuition, and getting certified in a few things, certified in Pilates and yoga and weight training uh, through the Poliquin Strength Program, um, Natural Movement, Edo Portal Internship. Um, and that's not, and those are, and that's not including all the various classes that I took, uh, that I, in disciplines I didn't stick with, um, Muay Thai, boxing, all the sports, etc. So with this knowledge and with these certifications, I ended up being a personal trainer, um, at, at a point full time, but mostly part time, um, for some years, six years I've been training people, uh, training others. So my point is, is it's a, it's a industry that's rich and saturated and flooded and everybody is personal. Everybody is personal. And I came to realize that the best thing I can do is help people, uh, develop a curiosity for their own movement patterns when to apply a challenge and when to apply ease and give them a break and be gentle uh, so that they would stay consistent and not be defeated so that they would come back to a practice over and over again. Um, but there, it, it, because it's a saturated market, there are people that don't have that understanding and there's a lot of knowing. A lot of people know what's up with fitness and know what's up with nutrition. So it's a dangerous territory. It's almost, you know, it's in the, you know, religious realm. Um, so I shared some movement videos on TikTok and really how I share them is kind of like a cornucopia of movement. It's not, a, it's not a real good lesson plan. I'll show people a bunch of different movements that I do. Um, and I think what got me in trouble is I labeled the one video building legs for longevity. And the idea is to not focus so much on aesthetics, to focus on function and exercises. I think I included maybe five to 10 exercises per video. So up to 20, 30 different movement patterns, exercises, all with the intention of building uh, functional legs for the long term, right? So it didn't include anything like heavy weight. Most of it was body weight training um, and explored the, the various angles of the body. Our hips, our ball joints, so they have a great degree of, of freedom. Our knees, our hinges, little degree of freedom. Um, ankles have a little bit more freedom and it's an open chain, Right? When the foot is on the floor, it has less freedom. When the foot is up, we have more freedom in our ankle. Open and closed chain. And I threw out a bunch of different movement patterns. And I found, what also maybe got me in trouble, is I found that the cool-looking moves, the videos that started out with cool or fun-looking moves, would do better. It caught people's attention. Um, and it would get more views. It would get more engagement. So my first video, for example, it started out with jump rope. Like, I love jump rope. It's so simple. You don't even need a rope. You can just bounce on your feet 100 plus times a day, maybe maybe even less. And the benefits that I felt in all parts of my body from jumping rope are there. 
And the first video was more technical. So jumping rope, uh, Bulgarian split squats, um, front squats, just simple dorsiflexion exercise, like basic, basic movement patterns that if done uh, over time contribute to a, a good functioning set of legs. And that video got the least amount of clout. The second video I did like a fun like Russian dancer variation. It's basically a sissy squat where you lead your knees towards the ground from standing and you, I catch myself with my hands and then come back up. So it was a more of a cool looking, almost break dancing looking move. And then the third video, I started with a dragon squat variation that no one, no one taught me this. Um, and it looks really cool. Um, and it's advanced. There's a reason I can do it. And that's my years of training and, and exploring my body through dance, through ground training like jujitsu. And in the, in the video, I voice over it and, and, and say, this is a fun and fancy one. It's advanced and not for the faint of heart. It's more for a, a person who knows their body, which kind of counteracts the longevity building program. Cause a true longevity program might be three or four staple exercises done over time, not um, pushing yourself at the right time and then throttling back into a proper resting, resting phase. But I wanted a little, I wanted to catch people's attention. And, um, that got me in, that got me, that earned me my very first troll. Now I go through my comments. Like I've said on previous videos, I am happy people are engaging with my content. Most people need a bit of validation in their life. I'm receiving a lot by people commenting and interacting with content that I create. So the least I can do, keeping the viewer in mind first, is respond. And the very least I can do is like their comment just as, just, hey, I saw this. Even if it's negative, even if it's sh shut up or um, this guy looks like Quasimodo, whatever. I'll like it because I appreciate people taking time out of their lives to engage in something I've created. I don't look at it as negative or personal. These people don't know me at all. They see minute videos of me and it's impossible to discern who I am. And even if you do know me, what you think about me, it, it, how I take it a lot, I take it with a grain of salt because a lot of it has to do with you and how you filter your perception of me and send it back. There is such a thing as there's people I trust to give me feedback and I can take criticism for it. And I appreciate that. Um, but a person who sees me for a minute comments something negative. I just appreciate the engagement and I move on. With this particular video, I open up the comments to begin responding to them and acknowledging the people. And like that first move, that dragon squat variation move on an unhealthy body. It's not a good place to start at all. I need to put that out there. But now to start defending myself. One guy commented like, don't ever do this. This guy knows nothing what he's taught. He doesn't know anything. 
basically. And I went and I liked it because, fine, maybe someone who's seeing this video needed to see that comment as well. Perfect. So I'm scrolling through the comments. This guy copy and pasted a message, that message, basically like saying this guy's an idiot, referring to me on every comment. He went through 300 people and 150 of them, 100, 150 of them, he copy and pasted this guy's an idiot, basically. Don't listen to anything he says. And at first, like I said, I liked it, moved on. Around the 30th one, I'm like, I started responding. Oh, you're a troll. Uh, appreciate your feet. I was still even leading a little bit gentle. Don't know what this guy's going through. Um, and, and then when it got to like the 50th or the like hundredth time that I just saw him like pretty much just trying to tear me down without any consideration that he would have something to learn from that movement pattern, um, which I went to his page, no content, no profile picture, no, no Instagram content. There's nothing showing any credentials from this guy, this person at all. All he seemed to be doing was trying to tear me down um, through basically name calling. So I had a decision to make. And what I decided was, like my previous video, things I wish I knew before I was 30, was about boundaries and setting boundaries. And I decided, okay, this is a good time to set a boundary. This is my this is my platform, my little platform. And if you're gonna contribute, even if it's dis if even if you disagree, that's fine. But if you're just gonna throw stones and then over and over, I gotta draw the line somewhere. So there were a few comments where he he offered um that, that weren't so aggressive. I left those, but I basically, I wiped it, wiped him clean from that, from that post. And it seemed to be the right thing to do. And really no harm, no foul. Like I said, it's, I, I'm overall optimistic and appreciative that, so, that there's engagement on these posts that people are, are seeing what I'm putting out there and spending time to create. Um, but if you're just going to be destructive for the sake of destructive, um, then I guess I, then I'll have to learn to set boundaries and to keep the platform, the platform I have to curate it in a way that I think is best. And it's just, it's just so easy to, to troll, you know, this is, this is nothing groundbreaking, but it takes a month to build a house. It takes a day to destroy it. The ease at which, and, and people are just, so there's some people that just constantly are destroying or picking apart. There's the pick aparters who it's a, it's a no first you have to, and you have to overcome so many um, barriers for any sort of agreement any sort of construction. There's just like that Kali energy and people just pick apart, destroy, 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 
but no, but wait, but what about this? But, 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 and I'm not trying to associate with those people in real life. There is a place for destruction. I'd argue that I do that to myself more than anyone could ever possibly do it to me. And so I question how much I need someone to pick me apart. And then the source, this guy, like this guy, I don't know if he's a trainer. I don't know what his background is. Physiology, kinesiology. Um, so what, and, and you're not going to, cause on that same post, there were people who were like, I'm a physical therapist. I'm a doctor. There's some good movement patterns in here. Some of them were like, that first one looks a little rough. Any, t- any torque on the knee, um, uh, seems to be unsafe. And I agree with that. And to get specific with the dragon squat torque on the knee in a closed system. So my foot planted firmly on the ground and then my leg is also rooted in my pelvis, creating a closed system. If I create a torque on the knee, yeah, it doesn't go like that. But as soon as my foot leaves the ground or is able to rotate, it's becoming an open system. So the tension actually isn't in my knee when I'm doing a dragon squat. It's in my glutes and my muscles. And it's a fine movement to do as long as you keep that open chain system. I wouldn't load weight on my axis axially. I wouldn't do that and do a dragon squat. But body weight and movement and sometimes life puts you in precarious situations. Jiu-jitsu, for example, I've been in a dragon squat. Um, and to say that I can never do that or I can never train that movement pattern is is being unprepared and overly cautious because there is a way to train even that movement pattern safely and to explore that uncharted territory um, so that when you do get put in there in that situation you don't break a little bit of earthquake testing a little bit of earthquake training And that, and that's a huge thing. So I, I got my first troll. Um, I dealt with it the best way I could. I'm acknowledging it right now for whatever reason. It's still on my mind. I, I want clarity. Um, they won't see this. If you're only seeing me on one minute s- snippets on TikTok, this is a this would probably be a better way of seeing how I actually carry myself compared to a, an edited one minute segments that I put out, even if I've put, I put up like maybe a hundred pieces of content, but the style and the editing, um, it was harder to see my body length like this. You can actually even see my full body. Most of my videos are just like this on TikTok. selfie, selfie angles. So I, I, I got that troll and now I have a, a whole other host of people giving me feedback on this show and other content I create. And again, I'll reiterate, I appreciate that. That means people are engaged. That means people are actually seeing this stuff. And it's affecting them in a way where they feel like reaching out either to show support, but to participate in the construction of the show, right? Like 
feedback is so valuable because it contributes to a, I'm, I can hear what people that are seeing it want and adapt. So, um, a piece of feedback that I got was you need to be more energetic. Okay. Regarding this. Yes. Maybe. The purpose of this podcast is to be authentic. And if I'm going to be energetic for the sake of energetic, it's, it's taking away from the authenticity that is my ultimate goal. I'm not always energetic. If this was a purely entertaining podcast, if that was my mission, I might play a character. I might play a role. But it's it's not sustainable for me to sit down and talk for hours at a time and be something I'm not. Eventually, I'll break or it just it won't be fun. I'll lose a little bit. So there will be some episodes where, like the last episode, where I might be a little bit more relaxed. I might be down here. But that's what's authentic at the time. And therefore, I think that there's the best chance of speaking truth or speaking, um, you know, as close or pointing as close to divinity or to something bigger when I'm more aligned with my authentic self. So it's a balance. So, yes, I'll be a little bit more energetic when I can. And also, no, you get what you get because I'm, this is, what I can put in at a given time. And that's as nice as I can be with feedback. Cause there's certainly a part of me that I'd get feedback from someone. And like I said, I'll look at like, thank you person who hasn't made any content ever. Don't make me pull out that fucking man in the arena quote because I will. That man in the arena quote was like my shit when I was 19. Um, and if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, please Google it because I'm about to paraphrase the shit out of it and probably not do it justice. But basically it says uh, it's easy to be the critic but all the glory belongs to the man in the arena, the man who has given his blood, sweat, and tears, the man who's putting in the effort um, to create something. Um, that is a life worth living, not someone who is just throwing stones at the people or giving feedback to the people who are, are creating. Um so yeah, I mean, I'm just becoming more and more aware of like, at first all feedback is welcome and it still is. I, I haven't been broken to the fact of like, I'm still very open for constructive criticism, um, to this podcast, especially because it's very young and very fresh. Um, maybe a little bit less on more established platforms, but still even I'm at, I'm like, I feel like I'm very much at the beginning of a journey and help is 
definitely wanted. But also seeing like have from the person who's criticizing me, critiquing me, have you done the thing that you're telling me to do? Um, is it visible for me to see some examples of how you like to do things? Can you point me to other examples of, of things that you like that I can try to learn from, not necessarily replicate, but absorb and then, you know, process and then create from, um, just things to consider. Have you put yourself out there and is it just easier to see me putting myself out here and get mad because you're not doing it or you, I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to, to belittle. I don't see why anyone doesn't make a podcast and doesn't share their voice. It's not that I don't understand it. I understand the hesitation of, and the vulnerable, I understand the feelings of vulnerability and being seen and how sticky it is to feel like I've done the wrong thing. Regret comes from wrongful action and it comes from inaction of things that you wish you did, but you couldn't do or weren't able to do or didn't do. I'd, and this isn't my idea. God Saad on Joe Rogan's podcast said they measure, they, they talk to people about regret and the stronger emotions came from inaction. The stronger sense of regret came from not trying and not doing the thing that you wanted to do. I wanted to make a podcast for a long time. I've consumed hours of podcasts and studied them in a way. I've consumed every stand-up comedy special that is that exists. Um, public speaking. I've wanted to make this. I have a lot to learn and I can create a much richer, better, more entertaining show. I could be funny and, and I'm, I plan on growing. I plan on sticking with it. Um, but don't live a life in quiet desperation, throwing stones. And if you do want to throw some stones, back it up with a little bit of action. Hey, you know, having created a couple of million view hits, maybe I'm in a position to throw a stone or two. I would say no, still, but maybe I could offer some constructive criticism to people. One, I usually don't because I'd rather create something on my own um, and see what happens with that and deal with the regret of maybe having said the wrong thing or, or posting the wrong clip or et cetera. And two, like I said, what, even though I've had some small success, 
Like, I still don't feel like I know much. I feel, and I, I just feel like the people who are creating, unless they're prodded or asked directly, like, I'm not trying to pick apart other people's projects. And I don't think I've ever been in that position. Maybe that's wrong. I think the most criticism I've given out have been people that are the closest to me, where I create this expectation for them or of them. Um, and, and therefore I'm a little more rigid and I could be more critical and I've picked them apart, you know, in certain ways. Um, I'm actually playing with this idea. This idea is coming to me right now. I think maybe I've been con- destructive by being maybe overly congratulatory or overly constructive. Because there's a weird thing that I can actually destroy momentum with a pat on the back. Like, there's this phenomenon where people who feel like they've made it or they gained some level of a success can't sustain it. They fall off because they need the validation in the first place. And the people, the legends or the people that are able to go on never fully stop to smell the roses in the particular field that they're, that they're developing or they're in their art, their craft. Like maybe there'll be a time for like celebrating, but now that I'm in a groove of creating and had some, some millions of views or whatever. Um, it just, I just kind of want to keep creating and keep building because there's really nothing to celebrate. Like, and there's not even like a financial payoff to celebrate. I wonder, you know, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick with creating stuff as long, as long as possible. And, And maybe I'll, I think eventually I'll get validated even through a monetary sense and it'll be an interesting, um, challenge it'll be interesting to see how if i do get validated with enough like a large sum of money etc a certain level of notoriety how i'll keep pushing through or how i'll continue and how much i'll allow myself to celebrate and then when's the time to come back to to creating or speaking you know continue to speak my piece So there's like a destruction through like a congratulations. And I wonder if people do that consciously. I wonder if, if they're, I wonder if there's people who consciously know that they can defeat someone's momentum by saying they did a good job. Because there's some teachers out there who are, who like you never get that validation from. They're, they're like tough love teachers and that there seems to be a place for that. And I wonder if there's just like, and I wonder if I was doing this, I didn't feel conscious, but like I would see someone's artwork or someone's uh, creation. And even if I didn't like it, I would find something to positive to say about it so that they would feel good. But that could have been a disservice. That could have actually been more destructive. One, because, and it could just be an authenticity thing. But destroying someone's momentum by giving them the pat on the back, I'm less likely to do now. 
like the people that are really close to me that are, that are creating something like my girlfriend, for example, she'll, she'll create something and she'll love it. Um, and it's like, I'm in this balance of how much do I say congratulations? I, I love it. Um, will I kill her momentum? And I guess there's an argument that if validation is all they really needed and I do kill their momentum with a congratulations, then, you know, maybe they're not supposed to continue. Maybe it's not, you know, the path. Like there's no teaching people, it seems like. There's no teaching people, but there are some teachers or there are some figures in my life who will give me a barrier who say, no, you can't do this. And if I believe them, then I'll, you know, I'll get small. But now I realize that the people that are saying what I can't do, that is a lovely opportunity to overcome. And by overcoming that objection actually will give me a boost on the back end. will build momentum on the back end. So there's these two important figures in any path. The people that say, stop here, you can't go on any further and overcoming that. And then there's the people that say, good job, you made it and overcoming that so that you can continue going. And I think there's momentum on the back end of each of those archetypes to be able to push through the people that can't, that say, no, no, you can't go past here seems to be a springboard and to also not settle into a congratulations and call it done moving past that and continuing to create anyway there seems to be a back like a back end momentum on that as well and i think they're both they're both going to happen they're, they're both inevitable but they also both might be necessary Like Michael Jordan's documentary, he's like, the people that told him he couldn't do something seem to have been the largest propel, the propellant for him to move forward. Almost to the point of like mental dysfunction, I wonder how his relationships are. I wonder his levels of happiness, if those were able to be measured. And he seemed to have an unwillingness to accept... A congratulations. This is completely speculative, but I know, I know right now I'm having a hard time truly embracing praise. Um, well, because I don't feel like I've made it in any way. I think there is a, a basking or an enjoyment in things that I'm not trying to create and maybe my not chosen art forms, which right now is creating videos and creating podcasts as well as music. Um, yeah, when people are, are saying awesome things, like I'll give myself maybe a moment to appreciate it and then I'll, I'll immediately tell them how much I appreciate it. I'll send that back almost. And then put my head back, like down again and keep going. Cool. Now let's get into some comments. 
get into some TikTok comments, which I explained that these comments come from TikTok. And you can find all the comments on TikTok. And let's see. Let's see what has some comments. Such a good little. Thank you. Things I. Okay. Let's do this one. I create. I put it sometimes on my TikTok. I'll put a, a clips from my uh, podcast as a means to ge- like generate traffic for the podcast. This one is my. This is my latest post, and my latest post as of today was about was from podcast number nine where basically the hardest job in the entire planet is being a 13-year-old boy and how I spent most of my teenage years hiding my boner um, and, and uh, trying to sub, you know, suppress my uh, rampant sexual urges, um, something I'm still working on today. But you know, when, you, when you're in the 13 and in the puberty, the thick of it, and the boners are aplenty, and... Uh, you know, the challenges around that. And uh, this one only has 30 comments. So I haven't read these. I don't know where they're going to go. But let's see. Basically, I said that I uh, I would hide my uh, erections with my backpack in high school. So I'd carry around my backpack in front of my hips um, like 90, I think 97% of the time when uh, I look at the statistics. Okay. Nick Carmen is the most uh, liked comment. And he said, I used the sweatshirt method or flexing for 30 seconds so the blood could rush into whatever I was flexing. That was his technique for uh, getting, for suppressing his boner. And uh, <laughs> flexing, whatever. I hadn't tried that. I don't know why I never tried that. What would I even flex? I don't have like, you can't flex the lower body. I feel like if you flex the lower body, it just sends more blood down into the pelvis and hips first. So I feel like you got to flex the upper body, like flex your neck, bring some brain to the bl- brain to the blood, blood to the brain. And then uh, a comment below that by HQ Chubberson <laughs> says, yup, same. It was never a big issue for me. Wow. I've never thought about that. It says, a name I can't pronounce. All right. Julia Mencia says girls start their period at that age. So I think it's the worst time for everyone. And yeah. Okay. Saying being a 13 year old boy is the hardest job on the planet is a joke. It's talking about getting hard, getting erections. It's a very complex and it's actually a pretty damn good joke because they're always hard erections. It's a good joke. And I'm not saying girls don't have it. I'm a guy. I'm speaking to guys. It's funny. And furthermore, girls start their periods that age. I think it's the worst time for everyone. I think a period's like a week ordeal. 
And I don't know. I have no idea. But if you're bleeding for more than a week, that seems unruly. Having a boner is an everyday thing all day long for a 13 year old, for a pubescent boy, man. It's an everyday thing. What's worse? Scoob laced my nuggets says hashtag free to wee wee. Okay. HTX Nana says, is this why some dude ru dudes run around with backpacks in front of them? Yes. A hundred percent of the time they're hiding their boner. Villain machine says, I used to pinch myself. The pain was enough to cool it down. Yikes. Yikes, dude. I get it. And, uh, fuck. Yeah, whatever works, you know. The shame of exposing your erect penis to a group, you know, before you want it to be seen. Yeah, the pain of a pinch might be, is less. It is less than the pain of being seen in a way you don't want to be seen at a time you don't want it to be seen. So, yes. Okay. Roll the dice, 1993. Said, this was literally me. I would always creep up. It would always creep up on me before lessons were about to end and I have to find ways to hide it. Yeah, I don't know why, but it, it, uh, like it was almost like it was clockwork It's like knowing that I was going to have to get up and go to the next class. It's like, it would just happen. It was like a magic grow serum was knowing that I was going to have to get up and, and go to the next class. The urban turtle says I'm 18 and I'm going through it. Blessed bro. Bless up that vitality, just gratitude every day for that vitality. Young Chris 772. I used to hold my lunchbox in front of me. Damn. I want a pun so bad. I want like a, like a sub sandwich pun dick in a box. Sounds like it was you had a dick in a box. Not good enough. That was not a good enough joke. And you do, you deserve better, whoever's watching this. I still have this problem. Good. Nicole Umbash said, I'm glad I seen this. I'm a single mom. I didn't know this happened. Now my poor son has me to help him through puberty. <laughs> Tell your son I'm sorry that you're helping. No, I'm not. In fact, that is so beautiful to have it. He may not accept your help. I can just see that a 13 year old, like man, boy, not being able to accept the help from his mom going through puberty. Like, what do you know, mom? You don't know. And you don't, but you know, you have all the love and the empathy for your son in the world. So 
um, maybe like a silent help or just like an understanding. And now if you see a backpack or a lunch pail or, you know, um, a lunch yeah, dick, dick in a box, there's, no, there's nothing there. The joke isn't there yet. If you see something there, yeah, maybe you just don't call him out on it. Maybe you just let him be. That's That could be the best way to help. Francis O. Francis said, girls, now in quotations, I hope I don't bleed onto my pants. When will these cramps go? I'm so tired. I couldn't sleep for pain. I feel faint. Yeah, it sounds like girls go through a more intense, more intensity. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm not trying to even trade the problems of uh, being a young man for a young woman at all. Um, it's harder for it's harder for young women. It's harder for older women probably too. And uh, yeah, that joke of it being a 13-year-old boy is the hardest job in the world is still just a pristine, pristine joke. Shrimp time is the next person who commented. And they said, this makes me have more compassion for teen boys experiencing puberty. That seems confusing and frustrating for a kid. Exactly. Thank you so much for seeing that. And it's worse if you're circumcised. Someone commented on that. Huh? Why? Because of the friction on the on the penis head? Don't know. Don't know why it's worse. Because I only have one perspective. I was circumcised, unfortunately. Finn Denver commented, We need to normals walking around full wood. Why hide that shit? That's a great question. And we can get into the repression of sexuality through a predominantly Roman Catholic society that we have in the Western world. Um, it might, you know, it goes back to our origin story of Adam and Eve discovering shame and then clothes got involved. And, uh, you probably hide it. Hmm. I, you know, you should maybe be proud or comfortable with your body and build your self-esteem based on what you got and whatever you're working with. There's a sex, the sexual book that I referred to in the two episodes ago, the porn episode. It, it talks about, it's not the size that counts, but it's the hardness that you're able to employ through your instrument and a large penis that can't get hard is worse off and has a lower chance of sexually stimulating or bringing a woman to orgasm than a fully hard penis. And it goes into the levels of hardness in the penis uh, in this book, the Tao of health, sex, and longevity, and the four signs that your penis is ready for sex. And uh, I can't remember all of them, but there was like, yeah, I can't remember them. Maybe next episode. So why hide that shit? Um, maybe you just, you know, you don't want to, you're not ready to be seen like that. You haven't developed that level of self worth or self control. Um, you know, yeah, as someone who's pretty average all around, yeah, I still wouldn't want my boner to be flaunt, like, um, 
you know, to be seen unless I was ready to show it. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean that's that's as good a question as any. And of course I don't I don't have an answer for that, but um I think you're being funny and you are funny, but shame would be the short answer. Why hide that shit? Shame and you definitely get laughed at if you get called out. Dr. Baloney spelled wrong, B O B A L O N I. Nah, bruh. They call on you and you just sit there like you're busy and then it goes away. Then you stand up. Sound advice. Ignore your teachers if you have a boner. Avocado320 said, that's why a lot of boys from my class were carrying their bags in front of them most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, 100% of the time. And that's the last comment. The rest are just uh, people tagging people. And brown dog, my heart says, oh, no. And it's a woman. So it seems like she's learning that information for the very first time. And I can see how that would be disarming. If you didn't know, now you know. Another good episode. I'm glad I sat down and did this. Talked about my first troll we talked about feedback and when to listen to someone and when not to how to keep going and then we answered questions about uh or we answered we talked we replied to comments on tiktok uh, about having a boner uh 20 out of the 24 hours a day um ages 12 through 20 So a really, really good episode. This has been The Good Wind. I am Nico. Love you very much. See you next time. Bye.